Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, we're with two adventurers, Doug Johnson, who's a physician and vice chairman of the board of Dialysis Clinics Incorporated, and he served on the board of trustees for more than 15 years and a great advocate in the community. And we have another great advocate on the phone who's also an adventurer, Bill Peckham. He's been on dialysis since 1990, and He's a big advocate for home hemodialysis, and he takes the next stage one machine places that no man has gone. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Now, I came to learn that you both went down the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon with the next stage machine. So tell us a little bit about how you got that idea. For me, it started when I first used the next stage. First time I used it was in 2006. And it's a transportable machine. So it's the first time uh, in the 23 years, you know, well, at that time, 16 years that I'd used dialysis that the machine was transportable for me. There's PD, of course, but I've always been on hemodialysis. And that means, uh, has always meant prior to the next stage that you're close to a water source. So I began thinking about it then, but there was just no, no way for me to really determine if it was possible. But I did learn there was a, a way to do the Rogue River, and, and we've done a kidney talk on uh, our raft trip down the Rogue River, which was in 2010. And uh, Doug and I both thought at the time, well, oh, this is a, a proof of concept, right, Doug? We were like, well, we can do the Rogue, we should do the Grand Canyon, and, and it seemed reasonable. But uh, I still didn't really know if, if, if it could be done or would be allowed, I guess is really the question. Um, but uh, it was definitely, I, I would say, after that Rogue River trip, it kind of, I would pop in my head, you know, periodically, and uh, I would just think, how is it that we could get this done? Well, Doug, tell me what it was from, from a professional standpoint, watching Bill do home dialysis on the river. It was inspirational. For, for me, it was, Bill, I guess in many ways, Bill has always taught me um, that he and others don't allow the dialysis treatment to get in the way of their dream. And so for me, it was wonderful to be able to see Bill live his dream and make it through the Grand Canyon. And how long was the trip, and how many treatments did you have to have? It's uh, 225 miles. All, all the uh, raft trips through the Grand Canyon start at Lee's Ferry, which is below the uh, Glen Canyon Dam. And so that's considered mile zero. And then we took out down at Furnace Creek, I think it's called, uh, 225 miles downriver. And it took us eight days, and I did three treatments. I did treatments on day two, day four, and day six. Now, do you, like, put the equipment with you? Were there a lot of people on the trip? And uh, I guess the question is for Doug, what, you know, what did you learn? Like, did you have to help him carry the supplies or is, is Bill pretty self-sufficient? This trip was all Bill. Um, <laughs> no. We really, you know, I mean, for, we did, you know, we did help, you know, carry supplies and do things like that. But in terms of the treatment itself, it, it was all Bill. Um, so he was, um, he was completely 
uh, he completely ran his own treatment um, and did not need help from anyone else. I do think um, Bill probably K deck was it was helpful to have K on our on the trip with us um, for you guys to be able to work through the machine. But otherwise, it was it was all Bill. Yeah, we had uh, in total uh, eleven guests, and then there were five guides. We had two rafts. We actually had two next stage cyclers with us, but I only used the one. We had one as backup. We had two generators, which we only used one. But we, I don't think, uh, as it drew closer, everybody started thinking about what ifs, what ifs. And uh, I really, you know, nobody wanted this to not work. And so uh, it definitely, we brought, you know, redundancy into it. Because once you are in that canyon, you are in that canyon. I mean, you can call a helicopter and helicopter out, but that that was... Uh, that is not a good outcome, and uh, really, uh, you, you want to get through that whole trip. And uh, there's there's no chance to be resupplied really uh, in a practical manner. So um, yeah, it was uh, everything came with us. And then we actually dialyzed. You can see in the photos that I'm literally on the raft. We would we would tie up the raft uh, after a day of rafting and hiking uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon. So we we, we were stopping. A little sooner than you would ordinarily if you were doing a Grand Canyon trip, but uh, we, you know, get the machine set up on one of the rafts because, uh, it, for one thing, there's, you know, sandy beaches <laughs> was where you're camping, so being on the raft eliminated a lot of the sand. But it's also the coolest. Temp- the temperature really just increased as you stepped away from the river, uh, pretty dramatically as you got near these rocks that were baking in the sun all day, and so you know. It, the difference between 100 degrees and 120 degrees. Oh, wow. Very hot. But um, being on the raft really made it cool. And, and then also the dialysate, if you're familiar with how the next stage machine works, it has bags of dialysate when we're traveling. And that dialysate rode inside. These were great big rafts, 33-foot rafts with holds basically, you know, below deck. And the dialysate was down there next to the water, and the water's 50 degrees. So the dialysate really was about 60, 70 degrees right in there. And uh, so it, it actually cooled me off <laughs> to be on dialysis. I think, you know, you thought, well, what's an advantage of being on dialysis? Well, in the Grand Canyon, it can cool you off. And also, it gave me fluids. Uh, normally, of course, you know that uh, dialysis is intended to take fluid off. And, you know, need to remove the things that the kidney ordinarily does. And, and uh, we always think, you know, taking off fluid. But... Down there, because it was so hot, I gave myself a liter of fluid every treatment. Because you were sweating so much? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, 110, 117 degrees all day, and you're active, and, and I'm just, I can't keep up with that fluid. You know, I drank a lot of fluid, I mean, as much as I could, but after 23 years, you just kind of ingrained not to always drink fluid. So I would give myself a liter and a half at the start of treatment and then take off half a liter, so... You know, you use the dialysis to adjust to your environment, and this this environment was uh, pretty, definitely unique. Now, did the equipment, like you had two machines and two set of supplies, was one in each raft in case one capsized or something? Uh, no, uh, no, we, we really planned on the rafts not capsizing. These are great big pontoon okay. rafts, and, and uh, it, it would be uh, highly unusual for it to uh, capsize. In the, in the level of water that we were rafting. And also, I you know, I should talk early and often about the Arizona Raft Adventures, the company that we went with. 
and the professionalism of our guides, you know, they're just outstanding. Randy Tucker was the lead guide and, you know, 30 years of experience on the river and uh, he wasn't taking any shortcuts or <laughs> looking for adventure. He was getting us down the river in a fun, safe way. And he, he really did the job. And then David Huff, who uh, was uh, guiding, uh, running the other raft uh, along with his wife, Kat was on there. Amanda was on uh, my raft helping Randy along with her dad, Chris actually was a swamper, but they all, you know, was safety first, fun second. And, uh, but they checked both those boxes the whole trip and really just, can't say enough about the outfitter and i think when uh we talked about the rogue river i talked about the importance of the outfitter then and the importance of the outfitter now and uh it's really true if uh if you find someone who's willing to say yeah we'll figure this out you know i i had my own ideas of how i would do dialysis i imagined it on shore and um you know i but they, they knew how it would work best, and uh, I turned that over to them, and, and they really came through. Well, I'm sure there's a little level of security because uh, Doug's a physician, and, I mean, there were probably, were there any other medical professionals on the trip? <laughs> Doug, Doug made it clear he was not there as my nephrologist, right, Doug? <laughs> you would have stepped in, though, Doug, wouldn't you have, if, if, if need be? Still did not need any help. Well, tell us, Doug, a little bit about what the trip was like, like, you know, was it rough water? Were you like, you know, 90 degree angles out of the water, which what I see on TV, which kind of scares me because I like the idea of floating down the river, but I don't know about choppy waters. And uh, you went in the 80s actually with Arizona Raft as it happened. And then in uh, and then just this uh, last summer, what, how, how did the two trips compare? Or what's your overall impression of the canyon? In terms of the water itself? Um, in the first trip that we took, we were paddling in much smaller rafts, and so you would feel the rapids a lot more. I thought with the larger rafts that we had, it was it was still exciting going through the rapids, um, but I guess kind of more stable going through the rapids. Is it similar to like a Disneyland ride where those log cabin, you know, the ones that go through and then you go down the hill, is, is it more intense than that? Because I could maybe handle that. I think... There's um, an unpredictability of going through these rapids, whereas with that log ride, you ride it 20 times, it's going to pretty much be the same 20 times. But each time you go into these rapids, it's a unique experience for even the guides who have done it maybe hundreds of times. And um, and just the way all of a sudden you find yourself being slammed into a wave from the side that wasn't maybe perfectly intended. I mean, so you have to hold on. There's a reason there, there are straps there to hold on to, and, and you better hold on to them or you can get pitched into the water. So it wouldn't be that the raft would flip over, but I can fully understand being tossed out of the raft because of the way you get slammed around in there. And it's very unpredictable. I mean, the you know, it, it's a good good point to bring up, Lori, because I think some people might think, well, they let you do this. It must be kind of like Disneyland where it's all sorted out and uh, it's perfectly safe. And, and uh, I think it can be safe, but it isn't like Disneyland in that the river is its own thing and, it you know, it should not be trifled with. <laughs> it is a big, big river and it will surprise you. So I think you get very wet and it's very cold water. But I don't think you can really predict what's going to happen on any given any given rapid. Well, many years ago, my husband and I were in Hawaii, and we went, you know, we were roped into one of those timeshare, 
you know, presentations where you go and watch and they try to high pressure you into buying a timeshare. But in return, you got to get pick an excursion. Well, my husband and I didn't buy anything. So I think we got the list of bad excursions. And one of them was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or something like that. But what we had to do is we got in a boat and sat on the edge of the raft and we just had a foot belt to put our feet under. And then we flew across the ocean at like 20 to 30 miles. I don't know. But the first couple minutes was fun. And then um, about the about the fifth or sixth minute in, all the adults are like, get us off this boat. Because we were windburned by the time we got home. And our backs were killing us because you have to use so many muscles to be able to hold yourself on the boat. Did you guys have any symptoms afterwards of, of having this grueling eight-day activity? Well, I think we, we shot video during the whole trip, and uh, periodically Kyle, who was along shooting the video, would, would pull me aside and, and uh, ask me questions. And you can see me on the first day, I'm all excited and clean-shaven and, you know, perky. And then by the eighth-day interview... <laughs> I'm slumped in the chair. I haven't shaved for a week, and I'm kind of groggy from just the, the... You know how when you travel normally, there's sort of discrete days. You can say, oh, yeah, I remember that day we were uh, at the hotel pool, or I remember that day in Paris where we did this. And no matter what the trip, you know, you can think of it day by day. But for me, the Grand Canyon is just one solid eight-day experience. It was It was unrelenting. You were fully immersed in it. And it was physically and emotionally draining. I mean, to me, I, you know, it, you didn't sleep very well <laughs> because it was, uh, you know, 100 degrees when you're trying to get to sleep. And then you're up pretty early eating breakfast, you know, right away at, at first light. And so it, it just, it is a grueling, you know, for anyone, for even whether you're on dialysis or not, I think. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Doug, that it's just, it, it, it is a, a challenge. Absolutely. And I think... For me, it was when we reached the end of the trip, it was a sense of accomplishment, but it was also a sense of relief. And it was, and I think we were all glad that we made it through. Um, I, I was surprised at how extreme the weather was while we were down on the river. That was probably one of the biggest, most unexpected things for me. Some incredible storms at night. I don't know, Bill, if you want to talk about your second treatment. Well, yeah. Um the, the thing about being in the canyon is you, you can't see weather coming, right? You just have a little sliver of the sky that you're looking at. And then all of a sudden, over the edge of the rim will come this big storm cloud. And I, no, it wasn't humid at all. It was just all of a sudden you would be right in a torrential rainstorm. So the second treatment would have been day four. And uh, we had had a taste of what could happen on day three when I wasn't dilating on shore. And we had just set up camp when one of these storms blew through. And it's, remember that, Doug? Oh, yeah. We were up against this um, rock wall, uh, you know, just made camp, just kind of just set up our tents when just seemingly, well, literally, out of the blue came this storm. And the storm cell sucks up energy from the river, so it creates wind. So all of a sudden, there's been really maybe a breeze, but no wind to speak of. But now all of a sudden, it's blowing hard and it, it's a sandstorm blowing through camp, but then it just starts raining hard. There's thunder. There's lightning. I mean, it, 
like sounds like an adventure. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, one of our people, Ben, he was down fishing and uh, was isolated from the camp and just had to huddle behind a rock, thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to die." <laughs> I was holding my tent down. I mean, the wind's blowing. I, I couldn't say how many miles an hour, but enough to totally blow your tent away, even with your stuff in it. And so I'm holding it down in the rain. I finally realized, you know, I could hold this down from the inside. <laughs> I uh, I can say you a picture I took, a selfie, when I was lying in the cab. Just but I'll tell you something, Laurie, and uh, I think you'll understand this, that you know when you're on dialysis or need to use dialysis, have a chronic illness you think you're just not going to have sort of these sort of adventures you know life can get really feeling like a rut of a predictable rut and uh here i was you know 70 some miles into the canyon and and just in a tempest I was just thinking, this is great, you know. Well, in the 80s, when I was on peritoneal dialysis, I would go with a lot of my friends to Joshua Tree. And we would go camp and, you know, believe it or not, I would propel off the side of rocks. And (laughs) it was, yeah, it was fun. I mean, you know, you had to overcome the fear of going over the edge. But, you know, I had a PD catheter and people were like, well, what if you get the PD catheter stuck on a rock like going down? I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, people feel the need to tell you about everything that can go wrong. Yeah. When, you know, when you're trying to do something, I'm like, you know, I think that's the least of my worries. If, you know, I get that close to a rock, I might PD catheters covered. And I think I have more to worry about than that when I'm rappelling off the side of a rock, like not breaking a leg or something, climbing up the back of the rock. I wasn't that worried about the dialysis treatments, but I just didn't want to, you know, have an ordinary accident. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to trip and I didn't want to get hurt away from the river on these hikes we went on. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just I just would have felt like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> well, it would have hurt, and it would have been dumb. And then uh, Doug mentioned the fourth treat, or the second treatment on the fourth day, and that's when we were set up on the raft. We were getting ready, and uh, uh, they had put up a kind of a shade shelter over me, an umbrella, um, basically, and and, uh, and then a tarp over that. And I'm uh, just coming to the point where I need to put in my needles when this same sort of windstorm a cell comes over and it causes this windstorm and blowing everything down. There's, there's five people, you know, on, on the different corners of the tarp and holding up the umbrella and, and uh, KDEX in there with me, uh, trying to keep the machine upright. And, but it's up to me, right? I, I am sitting there, my arms clean. I'm, I need to cannulate, but I could have said, you know, wait, stop. Let's just, we're going to stop. We'll do it tomorrow, which there's enough wiggle room in there. But then I really would have had to dodge tomorrow. But, or I could say, let's go on. And, and I think that's one of the lessons of the river is that uh, when you see that wave in front of you, when you see that rapid is you need your own momentum. You need to charge into it. You need to go at it. You can't just drift away and drift through it. And uh, and so I think uh, that's a lesson I've taken from rafting. And, and I think that's, applied then when I said, okay, I got to, I'm going to go forward. And I did, I got my needles in, but that particular treatment, the umbrella tipped over, it was in a bucket of sand. And then when it got back upright, it it landed on the effluent line that comes out of the next stage, the waste line that was just going right into the river and pinched it unbeknownst to anyone. And uh, the machine didn't like it and kept saying, you're fine. And and finally, uh, 
we even had to string a new cartridge and and get it all you know so it it was a little bumpy you know it was a, <laughs> well, it was a we, treatment that required us to uh, improvise a little bit and uh, just keep our wits about us and meanwhile people are just holding down the tarp and just getting us through you know keeping us uh, as as dry and sand free as they could and but it you know in that moment in that little cocoon inside that tarp uh, when trying to get the machine going, trying to get dialysis going, you know, really, it was, it was uh, <laughs> trying to just stay, not be frustrated and just stay calm and, and persevere. And, and we did. And then, you know, eventually the, the storm passes and the tarp can come down and, and uh, they, they would bring me dinner while I'm sitting there <laughs> and, uh, and I was catered to, I was introduced to uh, champagne in a can. I didn't know that champagne came in a can <laughs> until this trip, <laughs> but uh, it was actually quite good. Plenty of other refreshments, and uh, I, would, I would always kind of threaten to cut my run. You're not supposed to do that, of course, and everybody wanted me to get my full run, and so the, I was bribed with gin and tonics that <laughs> would make me a, a gin and tonic if I would agree to keep on for my but full run. They sh- you know, what do you think about Doug? you think that could be perhaps a new incentive to keep people on dialysis <laughs> I, I don't know that may not fly very well in the community huh chocolate would work for me um you know but you said a great metaphor about you know this trip and about how you have to pr- approach a chronic illness you have to lean into it and, and you know charge after it you can't let the chronic illness overtake you and I think that's a great metaphor for uh, anybody living with a chronic illness. Yeah, and you see, and you see that. And I know when I started, you know, way back when, I definitely I was just floating with the river, and and you get buffeted from every side, and you feel completely out of control, and uh, you're just you know, you feel like you're at the mercy of forces you know, far beyond your control. And those forces are still there. But if you provide your own momentum, if you say, I'm going this direction and you go at the obstacles, you know, or skirt the ones you see, you can see them coming. And if you have your own momentum, you can skirt a lot of obstacles. But some are just going to be there and you have to go right at them and right through them. And you do that by having your own momentum. And I think that's exactly right. It's a great metaphor for um, how to successfully cope with you know, having this chronic illness. Well, Doug, when you went back to see patients and you told them about this trip, um, what were the reactions and were any of them ready to sign up for your next trip? I think when we got out of the river, we said we'd never do it again. (laughs) 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 Um, But talking both to patients um, and also to, to staff taking care of patients, people were very excited. And to me, the biggest part, looking at it from a provider's point of view, not everyone's dream is to go down the Grand Canyon, but mm-hmm. everyone has a dream. And so for me, as we, it, whatever role we have in terms of caring for dialyzers, the most important thing is for us to, one, learn about their dreams, and then to help them meet those dreams, to live the life they want to live, and not let the dialysis procedure get in the way of them living the life they want. I think that's really the message that we've been sharing after the trip um, that we went on with Bill. And uh, it's just wonderful to be able to to talk about the adventure that we had with Bill. Well, and I think that's such an important message because when I speak to healthcare professionals, you know, they sometimes think that people on dialysis may not have the same dreams and goals. And you have to have a reason to get up out of bed every morning and something to look forward to more than ever when you have such a serious chronic illness. And for Bill, it's... um, 
you know, he loves to go down the river. For me, one of the things that I like to do is go like look at estate sales and find buttons and do different things. You have to find something you love to do. And I think healthcare professionals need to ask the patient that any time they can and try to encourage them to do that. Well, one of my closing questions, because I've been camping, it's been a while because I've now turned into a hotel girl. Like, you know, I like to go to a hotel. Um, but I've been on many camping trips and, you know, some of the benefits are is that it, it would be freezing and, you know, you, you don't have any kidney function, so you don't have to get up in the middle of the night. Um, one of the other things, and I don't know if you experienced this, were there mosquitoes there or bugs? Because when I um, had peritoneal dialysis, mosquitoes didn't like me. That was one of the benefits. Um, did you have any bugs or any type of dangerous animals that were in the area? Uh, we had biting ants and we had scorpions. Uh, sharp rocks, I think, caused the most uh, damage. Uh, but the uh, I think the canyon's just too hot and dry for uh, mosquitoes. <laughs> Anything to live. Well, well, coming out of the canyon, what meal did you want? Because you know when you're on, when you're camping, you get different food. But when you get out of the canyon, you get back home. Were you really hungry and? What was first on your list? I to think eat? everybody gained weight, didn't they? Doug? We <laughs> ate really well. <laughs> we had ice cream, you oh, know, wow. cakes. Uh, my friend, who I've known for, since I was six years old, and his wife went on this trip, Steve, and uh, he had a birthday while we were in the canyon, and they made him a cake, you know. So we did not um, suffer food. You know, it wasn't beans and canned fruit or anything like that. They had fresh produce and, and made really uh, yummy food the whole time. But um, one thing I, I want to bring up, Lori, is that I wasn't the first person to use dialysis and go through the canyon. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough just uh, two days ago to interview John Warner, who took people through the canyon in the 70s or in the 80s. But he, had, he organized trips all through the American West and uh, as far as Virgin Islands and Hawaii for people on dialysis through a program called Dialysis in Wonderland out of the University of Utah, and they used a uh, wearable artificial kidney that Dr. Kolf invented <clears throat> back in the 70s, and they were going out and doing these things, and they had a vision of health and wellness for people in center that would allow them to, to take these great trips to Lake Powell or Yosemite or uh, Yellowstone and then down the Grand Canyon, and uh, I think he'd be a great interview for kidney, a future kidney talk. He has some great stories. He was the renal administrator of the program, the University of Utah program, just at the inception of it, kind of fell into it, and uh, was president of NRAA at, uh, in the 70s. But by the end of the 70s, he found himself running what amounted to an adventure travel company for dialyzers. And they took, you know... Uh, I think up to over 20 trips a year to uh, you wow. know all over the place and uh, and they would have staff it was reimbursed by Medicare this artificial wearable kidney was in in routine use and, and that was 30 years ago and and w what happened <laughs> that's what I want to know <laughs> what happened why, why is why was that you know why did they be able to impart the benefits of travel and this healthy experiences to people back then uh, or now, that's that's not even under discussion or on the table. And I think uh, I've sent you a photo that you can see someone using a wearable artificial kidney in the Grand Canyon 30 years ago. Wow. And uh, and one last thing about that, 
is to marvel at, I think, is in 1983, there's a, a historic uh, wet season that flooded uh, Lake Powell and nearly overran the dam. It was a critical situation. They had to release more water than has ever been through the canyon since the dam was created, Glen Canyon Dam in 1960. And <clears throat> at one point, the flow was 100 cubic feet a second. And just to give you an idea, when uh, Doug and I were on the canyon, I think you know it was around 15,000 cubic feet a second. So this is a tremendous flow. It, it created you know new rapids. These big rafts we talked about were flipping. <laughs> That's how big the <laughs> wow. water was, and they were there. There were 10 people in center dialysis patients, 100 plus miles into the canyon, riding the historic amount of water, and having the time of their lives. Wow. That's that's amazing. Well, what do you both plan on going next? What's the next adventure? <laughs> well, like Doug said, when we got off the river, uh, they asked me that question. And my response is somewhere with room service. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're evolving, huh? <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm hoping maybe uh, I, I love uh, the group that we were with. I mean, we really should say that um, there's some holdovers from the road trip and, and some new people that went along. I think one of the great things about these trips is the people that we've had come along and how much we've enjoyed being with them. So uh, I certainly would love to have uh, a vacation with Doug and and his wife, Kathy, and my friend, Steve and Kathy, and and the others who went along on the trip. And so we're we're looking at Italy and Europe, and uh, Next Stage does have supplies there. And if I can figure out how to organize that, that, that might be where we spend a couple weeks and September next year. Sounds good. Any closing words, Doug, before we wrap up? I'm in. Anywhere Bill wants to go, I'm going. <laughs> Sounds like fun. I might go if there's a hotel, okay? Excellent. You coming with us? Okay. <laughs> Maybe if there's a hotel, but uh, I like a really comfortable bed. So, <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing this adventure. And I think, you know, it's inspiring because it's people like you, Bill, who really set the expectation that you can do whatever you want. And uh, I applaud you for it. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.